Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game in Consumer Industries, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in a digital world, to run, grow, connect, and transform, to engage customers and patients across their journey. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you are absolutely positively in the right place. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from some research by our friends at Deloitte, and here it is. This will set us up very nicely. The wholesale distribution industry is at an inflection point of rapidly changing business fundamentals. And of course, the two key words in there are wholesale and distribution, put them together. And that's what we're talking about today, wholesale distribution 2019, the intelligent enterprise. Let me tell you a little bit more. The future is becoming clear for wholesale distributors, those who are paying attention. They know that revenue will come from customer-specific solutions. You know, I think we're in the era of the experience. We're in the customer experience experience economy. So they know this is where the money's going to come from. And what does this all mean? This is going to transform their business and help their customers down the line differentiate themselves in the marketplace. How can wholesale distributors achieve this? They can provide value-added services. They can use smart technologies. Come on, they got to get on board sooner. There's no such thing as later anymore. And automation. It's all geared to helping real-time custom responses. Everybody wants personalization, proactively engaging customers to make them loyal. And maybe this is the most interesting of all to me, refocus employees on high-value tasks. And this is where AI comes in. We talk about this in a lot of our Game Changers radio shows, artificial intelligence, machine learning, taking people off of the boring, mundane, repetitive, OMG, pencil pushing. We used to call it tasks and letting them do something that requires human intelligence. So the experts speak. I am Bonnie D. Graham, as I said, and I'm here to bring you three very interesting and very smart people helping us figure this out. Let me just tell you briefly who they are, and then we'll get started. First up, we're welcoming back a returning guest. He's been on a couple of times last year, and he's back to start the new year with me, Sebastian Valencia. He is a partner at Clarkston Consulting, and thank you to their marketing department for a lot of tweets the past couple of days promoting Sebastian. Joining him is a newcomer, Steve Oaken, O-K-U-N, if you're looking for him. He's a director of consulting at a company called N. That's capital N space S-P-R-O, and there's a slash before the N, and Steve will tell us what they do and what the name means. And rounding out the panel is another newcomer, Magnus Meyer. He is the global head of the Wholesale Distribution Industry Business Unit. That's a long title, Magnus, at SAP. Welcome to my three esteemed panelists. And now let's kick this off with a very interesting quote. Sebastian Valencia has sent us from Bob Marley. Bob Marley, I didn't know his real name, Sebastian. Robert Nesta Marley, and he has the letter. O.M. He passed away in 1981. He was very young. A Jamaican singer-songwriter who became an international musical and cultural icon, blending reggae and ska and rock steady in his compositions. Okay, and he started with the Whalers, and you can look up the rest of his history. So now let's see what the quote is. Here we go. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. Sebastian, Happy New Year. How have you been? Happy New Year, Bonnie. Happy to be here. 
Good. Talk to me. Are you a big Marley, Bob Marley fan? I'm, I'm sitting here kind of rocking to a reggae beat in my head in my chair while I'm reading this quote. <laughs> so tell me how you picked the quote. I'm fascinated. Yeah, I am. Uh, to tell you the truth, a little secret, I used to have dreadlocks in my teenager days. If someone no. to me, please don't rem- remind me of those days. Now I'm a full business suit professional. But yeah, I love reggae and I found this quote uh, very uh, relevant. And it reminds me that we, we uh, our traditional thinking is there to be broken regularly and often so we can find new new ways of doing things differently. Very interesting. Could this be a, a banner? Could this be something printed on T-shirts uh, in, in wholesale distributors' companies, Sebastian, where they say, hey, let's get a little reggae going here. Let's get, let's get a little bit of Bob Marley because we've got to break out of the mindset that may or may not have kept us in business all these years. It's time, new year, new thinking, free your mind. You think this could be a call to action? I love it if it is. Absolutely. I'm in for bumper stickers and banners all over the place. I think the wholesale distribution industry is ready for new thinking. And I think through the lenses of the intelligent enterprise and finding new ways and not the same regular traditional ways, we're going to be able to do it and start with everyone. Thank you very much. Thanks for going along with my suggestion. I I love it when a guest appreciates something I say that was really off the wall. Thank you, Sebastian. We're very happy to have you back. And by the way, uh, Bob Marley died at age 36 from melanoma. Very, very interesting. He certainly left behind quite an interesting legacy. 36 years and he sure packed them in and he didn't have any mental slavery, obviously. He was really doing well. So thank you very much. Let's move around the table to Steve Oaken, one of our newcomer panelists. Steve, has found us a quote from Thomas Alva Edison, 1841 to 1931. He was a great American inventor and businessman. He's been described, Edison, as America's greatest inventor. He invented, he developed devices in electric power generation, mass communication, sound recording, motion pictures, the phonograph, if anybody remembers what that is. That's what we used to play records on. The motion picture camera, we've got them on our phones now, and something when Debbie Boone sings, You Light Up My Life, she might have been talking about the very practical electric light bulb. So here's the quote from Thomas Edison. If we did all the things we are capable of, we would literally astound ourselves. Steve Oaken, Happy New Year. How are you? I'm great, Bonnie. Thanks, and Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you. I love the quote, and I like revisiting the bio of Edison because he embodies innovation. Nothing stopped him, did it, Steve? He just kept going and going and going. He looked at the world, and he said, what can I invent now? What can I do to make people's lives better? You think that's how he woke up every morning? Yeah, and I think he did. He even took it a step further. Um, The thing that I like to, to think about when I think of Thomas Edison is that um, he wasn't an inventor. He sat back on his heels and, and threw out great ideas. Um, he followed them up with action. And and this quote, I liked it because it, it really evidenced um, what he really believed. There's other quotes from him that follow up the same themes. But, um, it, you know, his inventions weren't just ideas. His inventions were action plans that needed to be put in place so that you could actually transform society. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't about inventing the light bulb. There's arguments that other people, you know, um, had that as well. Um, Or radio, you know, there's competition as to who really invented it. But what he did Mm -hmm. is he actually turned it into an an actual working, um, operating 
um, new piece of technology that transforms society. Um, and that was just that was just plain hard work. So what I like about this quote is it shows that uh, you know he, he's of the belief that it's it's the hard work that's more important. And if we actually did all the hard work we were capable of, we wouldn't yes. we wouldn't even believe the results. Very interesting. And and I read something in the bio on Wikipedia I did not know. It said he established, well, first of all, he established his first laboratory facility in Menlo Park, New Jersey. I think that's known. But he established a botanic laboratory in Fort Myers, Florida, in collaboration with, get this, Henry Ford and Harvey Firestone. Interesting. And a lab in West Orange, New Jersey, that featured the world's first film studio, the Black Maria. He held Almost 1,100 U.S. patents in his name and more patents in other countries. I found that absolutely... And in the meantime, he had time to marry twice and have six children. So there, he was certainly a busy guy. Thank you, Steve, and welcome. And in a few minutes, we'll be finding out what you do and all about your company, Anspro. So thank you for the very inspirational quote. And Magnus Meyer is our third panelist at SAP. And Magnus has sent us a wonderful quote we love dearly from Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Douglas Gretzky, CC, still with us, 1961 birth year. Canadian former professional ice hockey player, former head coach, 20 seasons in the NHL for four teams for 20 years. Wow, that's a sport where you don't get old. A Gretzky has been called the great one, the greatest hockey player ever. He's the leading scorer in National Hockey League history with more goals and assists than any other player. And he has been known. He held 61 NHL records, 40 season records, 15 playoff records, and six all-star records. He must have a wall full of records. Here is the quote Magnus selected. I skate to where the puck is going to be, not to where it has been. Magnus Meyer, welcome. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for joining us. Talk to me about this quote. Are you a big Wayne Gretzky fan? Do you, do you watch the games? Uh, honestly, not really. I like ice hockey, yeah, um, but Germany is a couple leagues behind compared uh, to the U.S. Um, actually, the origin of why I picked this quote is, is more rooted in, in soccer, um, because we have a saying in Germany where we say, hey, if a soccer player runs smart, then he doesn't need to sprint hard. Yeah? Um, mm-hmm. But because soccer is not necessarily the sport number one in the U.S., I wanted to pick something similar that resonates with uh, the North American audience here. And um, if you look behind the curtain of this quote, I mean, it's, it's important for me to be a lifelong learner. And I think this is also critical to uh, to all the business out there to to think ahead and to see where they need to be in a year two three years down the road yeah particularly in a quarterly economy as we see in the u.s absolutely do you think magnus that wholesale distributors are awake and aware that the time has changed times have changed business models are changing they've got to do more they've got to do better they've got to use what we call smart technologies they've got to be innovative like uh, we just spoke about thomas edison do you think there's an awareness or if they tune in today to our show will they say huh what are they talking about what do you mean everything's fine we're just business is normal what do you think I think a lot of companies are aware that the business model has been changing, that they need to stay on top of things. But unfortunately, as I said, uh, the quarterly economy is just making them pursue those short-term goals, keep the top line growing, yeah, and not so much focusing on the efficiency. So that's definitely something um, that they need to pay more attention to, in my opinion. 
Okay, good. Well, then we're doing a public service here. I appreciate that very much. Let's go around the table back to Sebastian Valencia. Sebastian knows what's coming next. We have three little questions for you. Number one, where in the world are you today? Because we have a global audience and they love to know where our panelists are. Number two, either what's in your cup if you're drinking something interesting or what would you like to tell us was your favorite beverage over the holidays? It's just what's today. It is January 10th, 2019. So it's still, we're still coming out of the holiday season and number three what do you do at Clarkston Consulting talk to me Sebastian Bonnie happy to be here again uh, I'm here in, in sunny Miami Florida is uh, a little bit of a cold day we're in the 60s believe it or not so for those mm-hmm. in the north I'm a little bit of bragging uh, what's in my <laughs> cup a wonderful a uh, warm cup of coffee from Colombia. Uh, as I mentioned in previous shows, I'm from Medellin, Colombia, and I had an opportunity to be visited over the holidays. So I got a, a cup of coffee from a company called uh, per- uh, Pergamino Coffee, mm-hmm. and they had a wonderful geisha version, especially for the holidays. And I'm drinking it straight up, black coffee, no sweetener, no sugar, no milk, just the way it's supposed to be drank by the Colombians. So... Um, and what do I do? I'm a, I'm a partner with Clarston, and we as a company advise um, the consumer products and life sciences industries, and in, in, including in them, we also have wholesale distribution and retail. We prov- I provide services within strategy, transformation, and technology. Thank you very much. And, of course, you know, I looked up Pergamino Coffee, and there's a Pergamino Cafe in Medellin. And there was an article in the Huffington Post back in 2014, and it's titled Pergamino Cafe, Forging a Coffee Culture in Medellin. Coffee is one of the biggest sources of employment in Colombia as well. One-third of rural households still depend directly or indirectly on the production of coffee. Did you know, uh, Sebastian, that the gentleman who portrayed Juan Valdez, the face of coffee for many, many years, passed away yesterday? I read his obituary in the Times today. I think that's uh, something... It was a big news for all Colombians. It's it's that uh, emblem figure. So it's a Sad day. He, he did a, a wonderful um, a work for us to, to portray and work around with his uh, donkey around the world and bring a, a different and good image of Colombians around the world. Absolutely. His real name was Carlos Sanchez. He was Juan Valdez for 37 years. He just passed away yesterday at the age of 83, as my mother, who passed away at 100 years and and a couple of weeks um, in 2017. If she heard somebody died at the age of 83, 93, she'd say, too young. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. Everybody was too young to go, even at 100. What can I tell you? Thank you, Sebastian. Pleasure to have you back. Steve Oaken, you're up next. We'd love to know where are you today. We want to know what your favorite beverage is, either right now or over the holidays. Tell us something interesting about yourself. And tell us what is Anspro. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. And what do you do there? Steve, go ahead. Okay, great. Um, I can't brag about uh, the same type of weather. Um, <clears throat> I live in Toronto, Canada, um, so uh, it's not probably as cold as most people think. I'm looking out the window right now. There's no snow on the ground because uh, although we've had flurries a few times, it's not been cold enough for that to stick around, but it's certainly not the 60 degrees that uh, 
we hear about on a cold day in Florida. So um, uh, definitely a little bit chillier. And, uh, you know, to counteract that, especially at this time of day, I prefer a, um, a coffee as well. I, I hate to, to, you know, follow, especially because I haven't been to Colombia. So um, although I love Colombian coffee, I think of Italy when I think of coffee. And uh, that's where I learned to drink double espresso black with nothing in it. Um, mm. And um, I just picture myself in one of the piazzas. And, you know, um, <laughs> the, the Italians just know how to drink coffee. It's, they just call it cafe. They don't say espresso. It's assumed. And, um, and, and so I, I, I love it. You can drive along any street in um, you know, any highway in a remote place in Italy. You can stop at a trailer on the side of the road. And the reason why the coffee tastes so great is because the milk came from that cow that you see mm. <laughs> right there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, everything is about um, high quality and perfection there. So at any other time of the day, I prefer a glass of red wine. But, but for the mornings, um, double espresso is, is my game. And um, so ANSPRO, um, I'm a director as part of the um, ANSPRO Consumer Industries Practice. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a consultancy, uh, part of a family of companies under the rising label that um, provides uh, implementation services and consulting, uh, consulting as well, um, all to do with um, installation of SAP services. So all of our clients run SAP in one shape or another, uh, at least by the time we're finished with them. And, uh, and our vision is focused 100% on consumer industries, retail, wholesale, manufacturing. Thank you very much. And where did the name come from? N, it's slash N space SPRO. What does that mean? Is it a, a, an acronym? Uh, no, actually, it's a great question. And for anybody that is intimately familiar with SAP, um, NSPRO is the command that you provide the system when you want to open up the configuration screens. And given the fact that that's what we do day in, day out, uh, that became our moniker and our brand um, because we do configure SAP. So the slash ends, bro, is actually how you start the process of uh, taking SAP and making it applicable to a particular retailer's needs. That is absolutely fascinating. Thank you. I'm glad I asked because I saw that, you know, I use a slash in my personal signature and email. It's dot, 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 slash, Bonnie, and lowercase, and I've been using that for years, and somebody asked me about that years ago, and it must be because I was a programmer way back in the day, and maybe the slash came from a command I used somewhere. So that's very interesting, and I have to tell you something, uh, Steve, I, I produce a now a local TV show. I'm in Durham, North Carolina, but I have been was doing my TV shows for about 25 years on Long Island, where I lived before I moved here a year ago. And I recently had a gentleman who started a company called um, Oak City Coffee Roasters. He's mostly wholesale, but he, he custom blends for retailers, but he does have a, a walk-in. He's trying to build rebuild the business. He lost his location to high rent. We won't go there. But I said to him, his name is Bill Lindahl, and I said to him when I was interviewing, Bill, What's your best cup of coffee you've ever had? And, of course, he said his own coffee because he, he blends coffees that he sources from all over the world. But I said, no, really, how do you know when you've really had that great cup of coffee? And, Steve, this will resonate with you. His answer was the enjoyment of coffee, and, and Sebastian, I think you'll agree with this, the enjoyment of coffee seems to be related to where you are when you had that cup. 
where you were, what was happening, who you were with, maybe what the weather was, what the location was. And it's usually there's a story that go, but now, oh, I had a good cup of coffee. It's where were you? So, Steve, do you relate to that? Does that make sense? Absolutely. I love it. Like I said, picturing myself in the piazza, I can feel it. I can, it, it affects the flavor, the sights, the sounds, the smells, everything all around you. Uh, the hustle, bustle, it's all part of the, the, the cup for me. Thank you very much. And I'll come back to Sebastian in a minute to see if he agrees with that. Magnus Meyer is waiting so patiently. Thank you, Magnus. And Magnus, we have the same three questions from you. Where in the world are you today? We'd like to know your approximate location. What is your favorite drink anytime, anyplace, or over the holidays? And what do you do at SAP? Magnus. Yes, thank you. So I'm located in the suburbs of Chicago, in Naperville to be specific, and uh, the, the weather, we don't have any snow in the moment, but we still have a, a cold 17 degrees here, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so not as bad as in Canada, but, but still quite chilly. Yeah. Um, as it relates to what's in my cup, um, I'm trying to, to take a dry January, yeah. uh, not that I would drink at this time of day anyway, <laughs> uh, but in general... <laughs> I'm, I'm taking a dry January, and uh, to keep the sparker in life, I decided to to get a Soda Stream um, sparkling water machine, so I don't uh, have to carry up um, the, the bottle themselves. Yeah, and uh, the soda machine is providing me with all the excitement that you can imagine in a cup. Yeah, <laughs> very nice, <laughs> good answer. And what do you do? <laughs> Um, at SAP, I'm already quite a while here for, for 20 years, and um, currently I'm the global head for wholesale distribution. Yeah, so we have an industry business unit, and this industry business unit is bridging um, between the customer, between the market, and between our product and um, development teams. Yeah, so we're translating what we have on the solution side for our customers, and then we try to understand what the customers need and translate that back to our product and development teams as well. Yeah. And I've, I've had a role like this already um, in, in Germany, but also in Japan. And to be honest, I, it's very exciting to work in a similar role in different countries because you learn to appreciate the cultural differences, also which impact in a positive as well as negative way it has actually on, on innovation, how you interact with customers. So that, that's what makes this role so exciting. Thank you very much. I like that excitement. And just to round out the, a little bit of a weather report here, I am in Durham. And Sebastian, I still can't believe this is actually considered the south in North Carolina because it was 67 degrees about five days ago. And this morning I woke up and it was 30. That's three zero. That's Fahrenheit. That's two degrees below freezing. It's very windy. The sun is shining. Our big high temperature today is going to be 41 degrees, according to my good friend named Alexa in the next room. And it's very confusing here. I thought I saw a report last night of something about snow coming again. We had two weekend, two days of snow about eight weeks ago that was an entire season worth of snow in 24 hours. 
okay, I come from New York, I can deal with that, but that's not why I'm here. So I'm still getting used to it. And Sebastian may remember this from last year. Steve and Magnus will probably understand that I'm not allowed to have anything with caffeine in an on-radio show days, and you know why. So I'm having a cool, clear glass of cool, clear water with a couple of ice cubes in my new refrigerator. Never had a front door water dispenser, an ice dispenser before, and it's actually quite fun and very efficient and looking out at the beautiful clear blue sky. So that's what's going on here in Durham. I'm Bonnie D. Graham speaking with three very, very interesting, charming, I will add, and smart people on my panel today. Sebastian Valencia from Clarkston Consulting, Steve Oaken from slash N-S-P-R-O, which is now a command I'm going to remember forever, Steve, and Magnus Meyer at SAP. And we have to do a shout-out to Michelle Schuf, who is listening on the line. This is Michelle's series. We are hoping you get the budget to renew for this coming year, Michelle, because these are really great topics and great panels, and the world needs this. The series officially is changing the game in consumer industries radio presented by SAP. Our topic today is an important one, whether you're a wholesaler, somebody wholesale or somebody down the chain receiving their goods. Wholesale Distribution 2019, the intelligent enterprise. We've got a lot more to discuss, so we're going to take a quick 90-second break, the pause that refreshes, borrowing a tagline from somebody, and we'll come right back. We're going to launch into the formal roundtable, starting off with Sebastian Valencia. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back. Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Power your digital transformation. Innovate with new technologies. Integrate them into your business and scale seamlessly as your company grows. Changing the game in consumer industries brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges and cutting-edge technologies to help you digitally transform for an improved focus on the consumer and the patient. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top consumer industry and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how the digital economy is shaping the future of consumer industries. Changing the Game in Consumer Industries, presented by SAP. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game in Consumer Industries, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to changing the game in consumer industries. Yes, indeed. Let's. We're talking today about a very important topic, Wholesale Distribution 2019, the intelligent enterprise. Whether you are in the wholesale distribution industry or you're getting products down the line, 
This is important stuff. So listen up. My special panelists are Sebastian Valencia at Clarkston Consulting, Steve Oaken at slash NSPRO, now I have to say it properly, and Magnus Meyer at SAP. We're going to kick off the roundtable with some statements here that Sebastian Valencia sent me before the show. Let me read this. Sebastian will talk for a couple minutes on what this all means, and then we will invite Steve Oaken and then Magnus Meyer to come in and comment on what Sebastian put forth on the table. So Sebastian says, wholesalers have historically played a key role providing access to a large portfolio of products and moving goods from manufacturers to consumers and patients. The need to add value beyond the products and delivery is increasing now in 2019 and years to come. Sebastian, please tell us more. Absolutely, Bonnie. So when I, when I work with wholesalers, I, I often walk into companies that have a, a wonderful history, a tremendous legacy of multi-generational family-owned, in most cases, of doing great work in, in providing a lot of value up and down the stream. But the, they, they're under continuous pressure for their, on, on their thin margins and to justify why do I exist as a middleman. So the, the mm-hmm. name of the game is leverage what's been good from the past, that history, that legacy, that multi-generation of doing what's right, playing a key role in in three-tier distributions that in most cases have been mandated by the government, but you got to change the game. You You have to do something different. You have to differentiate yourself. You have to look around and to win. You have to take advantages of technologies and instead of just moving goods from one end to the other in a very efficient way, just like everybody else is doing, otherwise they wouldn't be in business, you have to add value. You have to provide insights into the products. You have to provide insights into pricing. You have to provide insights into what the consumer, the patient, or the goods that you're moving provide up and down the stream. Otherwise, you're not going to be relevant. Thank you very much. I think, is that a kind of a do or die statement there, Sebastian? If you're a laggard or you're hiding under a rock and you're not listening to today's show, you won't be here much longer? Do you think it's that dire? Absolutely. I, I've seen it. I've seen some disappearing from the market. And, and I, I was chatting with a friend, a colleague of mine, and, and the name of the game is not I'm going to win the competition. Is the, the, the additional pressure is, is the disintermediation. So it's not just that I'm competing against the other distributor that has a portfolio on who's going to do it faster, cheaper, but I'm also competing against staying relevant. So as a whole, there's a threat for wholesalers, and they need to figure out a way to provide better insights and value add, not just to compete against the distributor mm-hmm. next door, but to, contri- to compete against the retailer, the pharmacy, the hospital, and yeah. the manufacturer that want to bypass them. Thank you very much. That's a key to this discussion. The competition is coming from different places now, and it is in the industry lines are blurring. We know that. Thank you very much, Steve Oaken and Anspro. Please join in, join in, chime in. What do you have to say about what Sebastian said? Is it that do or die? What do you think? I would have to agree that it's mm. do or die. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, we've already seen some massive consolidations, um, but the thing that's the most threatening isn't, um, you know, stepwise changes in the business model. It's total paradigm shifts with people coming in with disruptive business models that, that completely change the game. And, you know, so, so if, you're not, if you're not thinking about how you could compete almost from an entrepreneurial standpoint, 
um, then, you know, and I agree with, um, you know, something that Magnus said earlier that um, it, it's easy to get caught up with the day-to-day. These are the, the regular improvements that we need to make uh, day after day, year after year. But it's, I think at this point, we need paradigm shifts. And, and um, you know, to be caught as a middle, you know, man, as, as you know, uh, Sebastian said, um, is very dangerous place to be. Um, we need to figure out not only how to provide services to our customers, but we have to have our eye focused on the end consumer all the time um, because it's it's those individuals that if we don't enrich their relationship somehow, then we're we're still losing at the end of the day, even if our customers are happy today. Very interesting. Let's get Magnus Meyer at SAP in here. Magnus, what do you think? Unfortunately, I have to agree with my two colleagues here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't want to paint the doomsday scenario here, but you know, currently the economy is running very well, so that's painting over a lot of, of issues that we have here. And because um, traditionally a lot of those family businesses, the smaller ones, those with a regional focus, um, have been thinking about an exit strategy that that's revolved around potentially being acquired. Yeah. Um, but if you think about what's happening in the marketplace these days uh, with Amazon um, picking up um, regional and national demands yeah, uh, with infinite scalability without any problems, I think this exit strategy is, is going away and uh, people don't realize that. And as soon as we hit a down economy, um, we will have, unfortunately, um, a big, I would say, massacre happening in the industry. So people need to get ready. People need to reposition themselves and um, underline heavily um, the value-added services that they can provide to their customers that differentiates them now so they're ready for the future. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I didn't know we were going to do a do-or-die kind of a thing here, but I, it's important. That's why I was saying, are, are the, the people in the industry around the world sitting on their laurels, resting on their laurels, or just say, well, it's another year, we'll keep on going, can't wait any longer. Uh, Sebastian, anything you want to add before I move on? Because I have a very interesting comment we're going to talk about from Steve next. What do you think, Sebastian? We good? Yeah. Yeah, the, the only last thing I said is that as, as a do or die type of statement as we open in. We also see winners in the marketplace. We see wholesale distributors that have been paying attention that have, as quoting back Bob Marley, they have a mindset paid their sales tremendous slavery. They have thought differently and they have placed bets on what others call buzzwords and buzz technologies and they're winning in the marketplace. They're, they're turning to the smart enterprise and they're leveraging their smart enterprise and instead of being that middleman, they're becoming indispensable for the whole value chain. Thank you very much. Great points. And I'm going to move to something from your notes here, Steve. Actually, statement number one I found extremely interesting. You say, as retailers and manufacturers race to employ modern technology to aid in the personalization of their communications with consumers, it is important to note, here's the kicker, everyone, The ultimate goal is to return to a bygone era where shopkeepers knew us by name and face, could customize their services to meet our individual needs, and could recommend products they knew we would truly value. And Steve, my favorite phrase in French is plus ça change, plus ça la même chose. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Are we talking the same language here? (laughs) Absolutely, Bonnie. You nailed that. Um, (laughs) Thank you. And and that's, 
That's a bit of a bold uh, quote um, the, or statement that I'm making, that our goal is to go back in time. Um, but I, I really do believe it. And, and, you know, I think my favorite example of this is, and, you know, I'll come back to how this applies to wholesale distribution, but mm-hmm. um, the, my favorite example, if you think about the animal times, you go to the record store for those that are have as many gray hairs as I, you remember those 45? Yes, and those, yes uh, I do, I do. <laughs> those 33 long playing records uh, yes. for the compact disc was a thing. And uh, you'd walk into the record store and somebody who, you know, really, you know, stood behind the counter with a, a, a very a face that had showed, you know, that they have a lot of experience with this, um, you know, would look at you and, and they would ask you what you were interested in and you would answer questions and they would give you a recommendation. And it, that's not where the magic happened. It was it was three days later when you come back into the store, you're all energized because you've still got this music ringing in your ears. And they see you and say, oh, welcome back, and, and what did you think about that? Mm-hmm. I love the way they did the drums, and oh, well, if you like this, you're going to love that. And, and they would take you on a journey. And, and it was personal, um, and there's lots of other examples if you think about um, you know, shopkeepers who would extend credit to, to people that they knew. So obviously, and it's, it's harder to imagine how this would apply to wholesale and distribution, but um, we need to figure that out because this is the customer experience. The customer is actually still expect. We're still human beings. That's never going to change, in my view. And, um, you know, the machines help us. You know, we've done a lot to improve efficiencies. It's a lower cost, but we need to figure out how to bring the human element back into every interaction with customers. I love it. I have to tell a little story before we bring in Magnus and Sebastian. I'm just full of stories today. I, in, in my family, we send gift certificates, gift cards. So I sent Amazon to my son and daughter-in-law and, and my two grandchildren. One is almost 18. The other one's going to be 20 next week. Hard to believe. Anyway, so the little one texted me, which she rarely does, a little one at 18. And she said, Grandma, I'm buying vinyls on Amazon with the gift card. Thank you so much. And I sat back in my say, said, vinyls what is she talking about so I texted back I said Megan vinyls are you talking records and she said yes and I said what are you going to play them on and she said a record player and I said I still have about 50 LPs 33 RPMs I know that at least Steve knows what these are probably Magnus does too and maybe Sebastian I still have them and I have an old micro Seiki uh, hardcover it's a hard top it's plexi turntable I haven't played haven't used the turntable I need to get speakers for it, but I haven't plugged it in in probably 25 years but I brought it with me to Durham so here we are uh, Steve plus I change plus LMM shows my 18 year old granddaughter is buying vinyl on Amazon playing it on a record player that went out of fashion long before she was even born any comments on that Steve before we move on what do you think they're crazy well, I just love that you're, you're adding the, the French language into this, like, you know, <laughs> make sure that this plays properly in Canada, so this is fantastic. But I agree, <laughs> it, it, is, it is what is old, is, is new again, and, and we, need to, we need to simulate that with modern technology and, and yes. still keep the human factor. That's, that's my belief. Absolutely. Thank you. Magnus Meyer, love to get your thoughts on any of the above. What do you think? <laughs> that was quite a... A variety of topics that we are touching on. Let me just grab <laughs> yes. one here. <laughs> so I, I think um, experience, as you said, the experience economy, that is definitely something um, that is more and more in the foreground. And I think it's not only affecting the customers, uh, but it's also affecting the, the employees. Yeah, 
in the age of, of the Internet, in the age of the iPhone, um, we have changed the behavior and the expectations that we have towards devices, towards businesses, towards partners in general, how they interact with us. Yeah? And um, we need to be more aware how our interaction is, is perceived from a quality, from a value-add perspective. Yeah, and wholesale distributors as this, this middleman between thousands of suppliers, between thousands of customers, mm -hmm. for them it's really a key to manage this experience very proactively. Yeah, so they're on top of that and they can make sure that they own their customers. Yeah, and they're not defecting to, to marketplaces, to other players in the region. Yeah, so managing this proactively. Um, having access to the data, leveraging those intelligent technologies to stay on top of that, I think is, is absolutely critical moving forward. Thank you very much. Let's scoot around the table to Sebastian. Sebastian, what do you think? Yeah, I, I love that flashback from the past. I, <laughs> I believe for the, for the wholesaler, sitting right in the middle of a plethora of, of suppliers and likewise upstream on whichever channel of distribution they use is another business. So there's in, in this business to business interaction, that personalization and that personal touch is so important. What I what I think is 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 happening and for those who have taken advantage of the technologies available to them is that they, they're leveraging technology to bring back Bring back that personalization, it, the artificial intelligence and machine learning combined with the, the, the brains of the humans allow for a much better business-to-business -business relationship where the, the procurement person and the salesperson on the other end have immediate information powered by, by technology to maintain that personal touch, but mm -hmm. at a faster speed and a much more accurate with definitely better insights. So the integration and the interaction is much better. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Steve, anything you want to add to this? And, and maybe we could touch just very briefly. I don't want to derail because I have something I want to go to from Magnus Meyer's list in a minute. But the idea of personalization versus privacy, and this came up on our predictions, year-end predictions special yesterday. What is our trade-off? We want to be known by the quote-unquote shopkeeper, but it's at a much larger level now, and it's all digital, and it may not ever be face-to-face -face again. What are we giving up? Any quick thoughts? I'll go around the table. Steve? Well, definitely privacy is, is critical. Um, you know, you, you have to make sure that you're, you're innovating, you're bringing these new technologies into in play, and that you're, you're staying um, on the right side of what I call the creep line. Um, mm -hmm. We are watching people, and they do know that they're being watched, and they accept yep. that, that they're being watched. But, but if you, as a, uh, somebody who has that knowledge and that data, cross the, what I call the creep line, and you do something that they look at and say, "Geez, this is uncomfortable," then then you're going to be you're going to be punished for that. Um, so that's one thing we have to be very cautious of. Thank you. Let's go around quickly. Magnus, thoughts on that? The creep line or however you want to define it in terms of we're asking companies to know us, to personalize communication. And we say, wait a minute, seriously, how did you know that? What do you think? Yeah, I think that will be more and more top of mind. I mean, me personally coming from Germany, we're very aware of, of data privacy. And as you know, um, the most recent law changes there were triggered from the European Union mm -hmm. because it's really top of mind much more than here in the U.S. And um, 
that will also come here to the consumer market and tied with that, of course, data security. I mean, we hear about those breaches. Those are skill sets that um, hopefully distributors need to think about because it's it's not um, natural to, to have staff that is aware of that and that can handle that in the company. Thank you very much. And Sebastian, thoughts on this one? 100% agreement on, on the prediction for the year when we were looking at the, the Privacy Act in Europe mm-hmm. that came in place last year. Yep. We just see that evolving and coming into the United States. I think from a legal standpoint, this this big data and do whatever you want, mining that data, it's going to have uh, some boundaries or big, big boundaries. And I, and I love the, the comment about the creep line. So aside from the legalities <laughs> and, and the boundaries yeah. that are going to be in place, there's always this common sense on when are you when are you moving beyond the personalization and the personal touch into into what's you're not supposed to be bringing back and and, and crossing the line and damaging the relationship with with another business with a consumer with a patient. Thank you. Very interesting. And by the way, I have to hark back to my little uh, record player story a moment ago I mentioned. I forgot to say, tying it all up, that Thomas Edison is the one who invented the phonograph. So we've got record players and phone, and that was Edison. That's how I was tying the, putting the red bow on that whole story. Thank you, Magnus Meyer. I'm looking at your notes here, and I promised in my intro we'd talk about the intelligent enterprise, and let's do that. So you say there is a lot of confusion on what defines an intelligent enterprise and what it takes to become one. And you add, it is not an all-or-nothing approach. It's a gradual mindset, a process, a business model and technology change that all need to happen. And you mentioned that wholesale distribution has indeed been a laggard industry. So why don't you give us a little overview without doing any advertisement, uh, Magnus, on what this all means for wholesale distributions who are the focus of our discussion today. Go ahead. Thank you. So when I talk to customers, um, they come back to me and say, hey, um, you have a tagline, intelligent enterprise. What does it actually mean? Of course, everybody wants to be an intelligent enterprise, but how do we get there? Yeah? In a lot of cases, um, customers have been saying, hey, um, give me IoT or give me blockchain. Am I now intelligent? Yeah? Mm-hmm. And um, that's a little bit... Um, from approaching the thing from the wrong end because um, technology usually is, is more of an enabler for something that you want to achieve from business side. Yeah? And if you leave business behind, if you just start deploying IoT um, or smart sensors for technology's sake, um, that might leave you empty-handed in the end. Yeah? It might not ne- necessarily add value to the business. Yeah? And um, in my opinion, becoming an intelligent enterprise is a gradual change where you start um, with, with simple things. You could start harmonizing, standardizing, cleaning your data up, integrating the data, exchanging it. Yeah? And then as soon as you have access to data, you take it step by step further to get a higher level of sophistication. Yeah? You can use the data to automate processes. Yeah? Um, you can use the data to optimize things using smart algorithms. And you can take it all the way down to machine learning where you let the, the artificial intelligence then make decisions on your behalf. Yeah? Um, but tied to that change, you also need to make sure that you don't leave the company behind. There's definitely um, cultural change that is required. Yeah? And you know this other quote that you probably already had a couple of times on the show here as well mm-hmm. uh, from Drucker where he said, says, uh, Culture eats strategy or innovation for, for breakfast. 
Yes. And this, I think, is really important if we talk about how to become an intelligent enterprise. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Let's go around to Sebastian. Agree or disagree on what wholesalers need to do? I love the angle on on this is not an all or nothing. I think that mm-hmm. uh, most of the times wholesalers shy away from, from investment. They, they have thin margins and stuff for them to invest in technology. But it's because they look at it from a, I need to do it all, and I need to do it all at once. So I, I love the fact that of this, the, the, the thought of the gradual implementation of the gradual approach of technology to become a, a, a smart enterprise. I've seen it in, in distribution. Wholesalers have a lot of trucks on the road and with sensors. And, and it's not the use of technology for technology's sake. It is, what can I do now that I have it? Now, now that I have this one little beat, can I get, for instance, my drivers to upsell on delivery? Can I get my financial team to, instead of uh, doing manual tasks, focus on credit risk or focus on profitability of my customers? And can, I, can, can that gradually help my top line and bottom line? So those are, I, I love the gradual approach, and that's what we advise our our clients, is, is, it's not all or nothing. Just go one step at a time and embrace it and get to become slower but surely a, a, a smart enterprise. Thank you. Very well put. And let's finish going around the table. Steve Oaken and Ensbro, agree or disagree? What do you think? Definitely the stepwise approach is critical. Um, you know, we talked earlier about uh, what sounded like doomsday scenarios, and, and I was really glad that Sebastian um, said, you know, there are winners in this game already today, and, and, you know, and those clients that are taking those steps today can, can reverse the trend. Um, we den- generally don't hear, um, as, you know, services and strategy consultants, we generally don't hear from the, the wholesalers, retailers, um, distributors that don't get that because generally the reason why they engage with us is because they, they're ready to take a step. I think it's important to make sure that the steps that are taken are done on two horizons. Um, there's the horizon of these are the established things that we know and that we believe would improve the situation. They say one thing about process engineering is by improving one part of the process, you're undermining the rest of it because it all has to be cohesive. So you need to make sure that you take small steps that are allowing you to create balance um, across your entire value chain. Um, uh, but on top of that, you, you have to take some bold um, uh, steps as well. And those ones are experiments. And in the true spirit of uh, innovation and entrepreneurship, it's important that those steps are a little bit further out there, and it's okay to fail um, in those cases. So, so we would encourage people to run experiments where you can fail in a safe way, uh, because there's no way that, that we know in, in all cases how things are going to change. So we have to experiment with different business models to find out what's going to work. And once we know, then we can take those steps to incorporate those into a much more steady uh, approach and, and, and transform our business slowly with, with the results that we got from, from the experiments. But it's okay for those experiments to fail. Thank you very much. Very sounds like a design thinking approach, or yes, all all kinds of approaches in that one. Thank you very much, Sebastian. Circling to you, it's time for our predictions round. Sixty seconds each. You could say it's a lightning round. I'd love to know what do you think is coming up the up the pike, down the pike, up the road, whatever the path looks like for wholesale distributors and the intelligent enterprise. That's 2019. So let's go out up to 2025. That's far enough to look into the future. So. Sebastian Valencia, Clarkston Consulting, 60 seconds. What do you predict? Go. 
Bonnie, I think we're we're going to see those who have been placing the right bets, and, and as it was mentioned before, those who have taken the risk and maybe have failed fast and figured out a few things, using and embracing some of the latest technologies in years past, those are going to grow leaps and bounds. Those are going to have those technologies embedded some seamless, so seamlessly in their businesses that the, the personalization and the and the critical components of business interactions, they're not even going to notice the technologies are there, but they're going to notice the value that the technology is bringing to them. So I, I see the use of uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, um, predictive analytics, and others now moving into the, the background, allowing businesses to, con- to, to use them, but to conduct business seamlessly and winning in the marketplace. Thank you very much, Steve Oak and Inspro. You're up. 60 seconds. Go ahead. I thought I'd take a very specific prediction uh, just for fun, um, so it'll be easy to tell if I, if I got this wrong. Um, but uh, <laughs> my belief is that business <laughs> models will change, and so here's one that uh, I think is, is quite plausible. Um, and I don't have any insider information, so please don't take this information and go trade stocks on this basis because that's <laughs> not going to necessarily work out well for you. But, uh, <laughs> but I believe that uh, Uber will actually um, make a partnership with um, either a wholesaler or a retailer um, to provide grocery delivery um, by the end of 2020, let's say. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a bit that backs this up. Um, they've done trials. Um, it was actually Walmart who engaged with Uber yes. and um, Lyft to, to do grocery delivery. And they closed that trial off. And I think there were some, you know, results that weren't necessarily favorable to continue. But this is something that, in my uh, view, is an example of the types of game-changing uh, things that are going to happen within an industry to disrupt distribution. And, and I think wholesalers should be aware of how that could uh, completely change their business models. Thank you very much. More blurring of the lines. And Magnus Meyer at SAP, I've got exactly 60 seconds for you. What do you see in the crystal ball, Mr. Meyer? <laughs> I see another wave of user interface revolution. Yeah, um, We will see roll-up displays, foldable displays, um, cell phones that become uh, large screen TVs if you fold them out enough. Um, so that will be very interesting. And uh, there will be a, a split, I think, between um, how we consume content as well as how we interact um, with machines. Yeah. So um, the Alexa, the robotic process automation, all those things will become native also for businesses so we can interact with them in a much more efficient way in the future. Thank you very much. I learned so much from the three of you. What a great way to kick off the year here for this series. I want to do a shout-out to Michelle Schuf. Michelle, you knocked this one out of the park. I know you're listening. What a terrific panel. Just so interesting, and everything came together so nicely. So I want to thank my three special panelists. That I have to do a quick shout-out to Aaron at World Talk Radio, the business channel. He gets us on the air. He keeps us on the air, and he is my hero. And also Ryan Treasure, VP of Everything Technical and Operations at VoiceAmerica.com, World Talk Radio. Thank you to both of you. And now it's time for us to close this out. I have a minute left. Aaron, Aaron says he's blushing. I didn't want to make you blush, but you, you earned it, Aaron. 
and you really do well by us. Thank you so much. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, right this very minute, just like Sebastian Valencia at Clarkston Consulting, just like Steve Oaken at slash NSPRO, that's NSPRO, and just like Magnus Meyer at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll be back next week with part five of our 2019 prediction specials, Wednesday the 16th of January at 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Business Channel. You don't want to miss it. We're bringing you predictions from almost 80. That's eight zero thought leaders this year. You don't want to miss. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game in Consumer Industries, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.